0: Surgery in a War Zone, today on The World. I'm Carol Hills. Samar Atar is a Chicago-based surgeon, but he just got back from volunteering at a hospital in Aleppo, Syria.
1: The area is being bombarded by helicopters and jets in the sky. You're always pressing your luck, and it might be a one-way trip.
0: Also, a Marine veteran says Donald Trump needs to understand why Muslim Americans choose to serve.
1: We are loyal to this nation. We want what's best for the United States and for our citizens. And we're willing to sacrifice just as much, if not more, than anybody else.
0: Plus, an Albanian band called PMS. The songs themselves are um, for angry girls telling the world to (laughs) go.
1: I can say that.
0: Those stories ahead on The World. We start today with two stories about the conflict in Syria. In a few minutes, we'll hear about an underground library in a suburb of Damascus, where people can go and read books that were rescued from destruction. First, though, we're going to talk about the situation in Aleppo, once Syria's thriving biggest city. Now, the eastern part of that city and the rebels in it are under a government siege. The United Nations says about 300,000 residents are trapped there as well, as fighting continues between the two sides.
1: The situation is dire and desperate because the city is sealed off. They're stuck.
0: That's Samer Attar. He's a surgeon who recently spent several weeks volunteering at a hospital in Aleppo. He's back in Chicago now, where he lives. And I should warn you, his stories about the time he spent in Aleppo include some disturbing details. Attar says hospitals in the city, like the one he worked in, are also underground.
1: They're like bunkers. There are barrels on the outside. There are sandbags lining the windows. All it took was one missile or one bomb, and uh, you'd be working for hours after a market was bombed or a school or a residential area was bombed. The ER was overcrowded. It was chaotic, full of people uh, injured, full of family members looking for the injured. There were horrifying scenes of dismembered bodies, obliterated limbs. You're literally seeing people bleeding to death in front of you, and and there's there's very little you can do. You're running from one person to the next. It's difficult and overwhelming.
0: And what were you able to work with? What kind of tools were available to work with as a surgeon?
1: The tools are very basic. So you have uh, scalpels and sutures, some anesthesia. The power tools we'd use to drill pins or screws into bones or to perform amputations were just, they're no different than a power tool you'd buy at a, at a hardware store. So very, very basic and rudimentary.
0: You've been to Aleppo a number of times since the war in Syria started. How did this most recent trip compare to earlier trips in terms of what's worse, what's better? operating as a doctor there?
1: This trip was the worst because the intensity of bombardment was just substantial. Almost every day, sometimes twice in a day, you'd see those scenes I was I was talking about of just an emergency room overrun with critically injured people, scores of them. And you make, we were making so many more critical life-saving decisions, like deciding who to give blood to at the expense of someone else. Or one scene that I'll never forget is when I we were doing CPR on this child, young child, whose right leg was obliterated and uh, he wasn't conscious, he wasn't breathing. And there was a man next to him who was on the ground, on the floor, because we just didn't have enough beds, who was conscious but was bleeding from a traumatic uh, amputation of his of his right thigh. His right thigh was just, everything below it was missing. And the chief surgeon just calmly said to me, you have to stop working on this child and focus on... I need you focusing on the man who's bleeding to death on the ground because he has a better chance of, of making it. That's what I remember. Mm. You, you never walk away from that.
0: You worked with a neurosurgeon, the last remaining one in Aleppo. You mentioned he had a sense of humor. How do you maintain a sense of humor in such a difficult circumstance?
1: Actually, everyone I worked with had a had a sense of humor. I, uh, there's a general surgeon there who's also young. He's in his early 30s. And one day uh, there was an airstrike a missile that... We heard the jet screech by, and we heard the missile coming, and it landed so close to the hospital, it it knocked me off my feet. And so my heart was pounding and racing a bit, but uh, the people around me were a bit unfazed. This is kind of what they deal with. And and one man, one of the administrators in the hospital started serving everyone tea, and this general surgeon started telling a story where he grew up. He has a farm, and he has a bunch of chickens, and there's a fox that is always eating his chickens, and he He was telling all the stories about how he tried to poison the the fox unsuccessfully seven times. And for me, it was a bit surreal because he was just very calm very composed and trying to put everyone else at ease.
0: I read that the nurses that you work with there, there are a few women, but mostly they're young men. Tell us about them.
1: I would say over half of the people that work there have no real formal.